This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The alarms are going up everywhere. The alarms over what? Over climate control. Yes, indeed, from the Vatican, yes, to the White House and all over the world. And yet, some are saying the problem with the fires is not being caused by global warming, but by global arsonists. That's right, arsonists all over the world. And today on Viewpoint, we're going to talk about this matter of the climate. The Pope calls for the end to senseless war on the environment. He says we're waging war on the environment. So we've got to stop waging war on the environment because Mother Earth is suffering so deeply. Today on Viewpoint, we take a look at this subject again, and I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Some have been indicating that we have a volume problem with regard to our program, particularly with those that are listening on uh, oneplace.com or listening via a podcast and other sources other than live. And the reality is we understand that there is a problem. We are doing everything that we can to analyze that problem and have gone to uh, experts, technological experts, radio experts, and so on. I have spent a great deal of time just in the last couple of days talking to them, and quite frankly, up till now, they are baffled. They are baffled, and we're doing everything that we can because we want to make sure that everyone can listen at an optimum level and that it will be comfortable for you to listen. But for now, we're told that the reason things are uncomfortable is because of climate change. Well, indeed, the climate is changing. It climb- Have you noticed that the climate changes almost every day? And that's why you go to a weather report. You go to a weather report because you understand that the climate is changing, and it changes daily, sometimes hourly, depending on where you're living. And so you kind of want to get a figure, an understanding of what kind of changes to expect. So the problem isn't that climate changes. The problem is what is causing the climate to change. Is it humankind? Or are they just natural uh, changes that occur? Uh, We've seen those happen for years and years and years. In fact, for centuries, for millennia, the climate has changed constantly. The climate changed dramatically in the days of Noah, if you'll recall, back in Genesis chapter 6. They had not known rain at that point. But God said there was going to be a rain. Not only was there going to be a rain, there was going to be a flood, and the people thought it was ridiculous. But the climate changed. The climate changed very quickly, but the hearts of the people didn't change. And that was the problem. And so God destroyed the earth. Well, he destroyed the people on the planet, but for eight people with a flood. The climate changed. In fact, it changed so dramatically that the Bible says the fountains of the great deep were interrupted and erupted. It seems as if there were earthquakes and there were maybe even tornadoes and hurricanes 
and uh, uh, volcanoes all occurring at the same time, plus the rains coming down and the floods coming up. That's real climate change. In fact, some say, scientists have said that in, in reality, it caused an ice age. The, the climate change was so great that it actually caused an ice age. Well, our scientists told us back in the 1970s that we were on the verge of a mini ice age. Did you know that? In the 1970s, America's news magazines were telling us, warning us, we were on the edge of a new ice age. Then, when the ice age didn't seem to be panning out, then they started talking about global warming in the 1980s and 90s. And the intensity of that talk continued to change until the scientists were challenged with the fact that not everything was warming. They began to see that actually there was a tendency for things to have leveled off. And the, lo- the warning that they had prophesied was not happening the way they thought. Therefore, all of the language changed from global warming to climate change. Why did they do that? Because they had to have some way of using a language that they could use, words that they could use, no matter which way things changed. Why? You have to ask yourself, why? Why did they have to change the language so that no matter whether there was warming or cooling or any other kind of change, they could always have something to drive the fear quotient in the mind and heart of the people? Why? Well, it had to do with globalism. Environmentalism is one of the chief engines of globalism. And in order to drive globalism, they needed environmentalism directed by climate change in order to raise money, raise fear, change policies so that control of the environment and governments concerning the environment would be vested in an international group, i.e., global group, and hence a new world order or global government. And that's where things have gone. That is the trajectory. And so today on Viewpoint, we take a look at all of this. And again, I'm so glad that you have joined us. This conversation is always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Yes, indeed, the climate changes. During my entire lifetime, I have watched the climate change from the East Coast to the West Coast, uh, from Kansas to Florida, uh, to Virginia, to California, North and South, I've been all over this place, and the climate keeps changing. And in California, the climate in the North is different than the climate in the South. And the climate in Central California is different than the climate in Northern California or Southern California. I've, I've lived through the intense heats of Fresno, California, Central California. I've lived through the smog and heat of Southern California. I actually lived in Northern California where things were much cooler. And in Virginia, and in Wichita, Kansas, 
and in Lakeland, Florida, have experienced most of it, and in uh, Michigan as well. So, friends, the reality is you and I should not become obsessed with the climate. You and I cannot control the climate. Neither can our scientists. Nobody, no human being can control the climate on an ongoing basis, uh, the climate on an ongoing basis. To think you can do so is the pinnacle of chutzpah. That's pride. That's arrogance. The pinnacle. So let's talk about this today here on Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Climate is everything, declared the cover of Time magazine on April 28, 2021. But what does everything mean? Is the word climate somewhat of a euphemistic alternative to the term Mother Earth? Or does it have even greater messianic import? The question, the answer to that question, I think, reveals the supreme gravity of the so-called global pursuit of religious environmentalism by Pope and politician alike. Environmentalism, unfortunately, has become the new gospel of planetary salvation, the seductive spiritualized glue to bind humanity in a fear-induced unity, thus seducing mankind in unified worship of creation in hot pursuit of a resurrected Garden of Eden utopia to be achieved by a new world order. That's one paragraph, friends, in my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. You say, that doesn't sound like Messiah. Oh, yes, it is. From the viewpoint of the environmentalists, they view environmentalism as a messianic movement. They actually do believe that... They are worshiping Mother Earth. They are so intensely obsessed with Mother Earth that they have completely not only forgotten, but kicked Father God out of the equation. Kicked the Creator out of the equation. So the Creator now is replaced by the creation. Humankind now replaces God And humankind now must depend upon itself through scientific endeavors or politics and policies and so on to create a utopia, a climatary utopia, an environmental utopia on this planet so that we save ourselves through, not through global warming, but through global government. I hope you're listening carefully. So great is this vision 
that the uh, once and former Mikhail Gorbachev, remember the co- former communist president of the former Soviet Union, he won the Nobel Peace Prize for his work so- ostensibly in breaking up communism. But in 1992, just before we formed Save America Ministries, he came to the United States to establish what he called the International Foundation for Socioeconomic and Political Studies. It was called the Gorbachev Foundation. He established it there in San Francisco. What better place than the height of political liberalism in America? And he began to systematically lay out what he called his blueprint for world government. It involved the manipulation of Earth's inhabitants into a new world order in the name of saving the planet from environmental catastrophe. So he called for a complete restructuring of our economic, political, and religious views in order to accomplish that. Mirroring this quest for a new spirituality, Gorbachev's website opened with these words. He said, we need a new system of values, a system of the organic unity between mankind and nature and the ethic of a global responsibility. Sounds like a New Age Leninist, doesn't he? And it was to replace Christianity with a new religious order in which humanism, that was central to communism, by the way, and pantheism, which is central to Eastern mysticism, were all laced with Christian terminology that combined to unify the planet for the greater goal of a new world order. So here's what he said. The environmental crisis is the cornerstone for the new world order. That's what he said in 1992. So here we had an international issue that involved strong feelings that made it easy to manipulate naive and easily misled public in order to foster international treaties. And so to that end, he fostered an all-encompassing planetary document called the Earth Charter. Now, Maurice Strong was the United Nations' top environmental activist, and he referred to this charter, the Earth Charter, as, quote, a Magna Carta for Earth. Do you remember going back in history, the uh, Magna Carta in 1215 A.D.? Yeah. King John there at Runnymede in England. The Magna Carta, the first document of freedom in the Western world. Well, Maurice Strong called this Earth Charter a Magna Carta for Earth. So Gorbachev went even further, and he described the Charter as a new set of rules to guide humanity. In other words, we don't need the Bible, we don't need the Ten Commandments, we don't need the Beatitudes, we don't need any of those things for the Bible because that's out. We don't rely upon a creator, we're relying upon creation and humankind to solve and save us all. So Gorbachev said, My hope is that this earth charter will be a kind of Ten Commandments, a Sermon on the Mount, 
that provides a guide for human behavior toward the environment in the next century and beyond. Well, that laid the foundation, friends, for such things as the Paris Climate Agreement back there in 2015, where the heads of 191 nations pledged their allegiance to its blueprint for global governance in the name of controlling the environment. And wouldn't you believe, then U.S. President Barack Obama and Pope Francis joined their hearts and voices for the United Nations adoption of the 2030 Agenda, which was all about using the climate agenda, environmentalism, to drive the nations of the earth together for a global government. Now, that having been said, it lays a very interesting foundation for the balance of our program here today. And by the way, if anything that was said there gets your attention, you might just want to get a copy of my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, because what I shared with you there is approximately excerpts from approximately two pages of that entire book. That particular chapter is called the environmental deification. In other words, where the environment becomes God or a pseudo-God. That's what's happened. And even the Pope now is in on it. In fact, especially the Pope. The Pope has said that the his new writing now was meant to bring the 2015 Laudato Si praise be in cycle, go up to date with current problems. What kind of current problems? Well, he calls for the end to what he calls the senseless war on the environment. He announced that he would issue a new document on the protection of nature today. He was doing so because a terrible world war, he said, against the environment was taking place. A terrible world war. Do you see that terrible world war? Does it look to you like there's a terrible world war against the environment? No. What there is is a terrible world war against the God who created the environment and substitutes humankind as the new Lord of nature. We used to talk about nature and nature's God, Today we talk about nature and humankind to become its God. And that's the agenda that Pope uh, Pope Francis is in on. He was speaking of his weekly general audience, at his speaker weekly general audience, and said that the document he was issuing would be issued on October 4th the feast day of Francis of Assisi, the patron saint of the environment. A patron saint of the environment? Have you read anything about that in the Bible, the patron saint of the environment? Have you ever read anything in the Bible about the worship of the environment? I don't think so. In fact, what you do read in the Bible is that God gave humankind responsibility, yes, indeed, to take care of this planet and uh, 
to be responsible for what happened on this planet. I agree with that. But a terrible world war against the environment? No. It's a terrible world war against the God of the environment, the God who created the environment. Because humankind now wants to use the words climate change to drive terrifying fear into the minds and hearts of the inhabitants of this planet so as to achieve what otherwise they do not believe they can achieve without that fear quotient, and that is a new world government. They also feel that it's necessary in order to create the economic factors that will the the economy economic factors and so on that will be necessary to establish that one world government so it's about money it's about power it's about the perks that can come from it and it's about the position of the people who are getting such accolades by carrying on this agenda. It makes them cool. It makes them acceptable in the world of political correctness, multiculturalism, and religious pluralism. And so they have to present this as urgent. So this new document that Pope Francis is coming out with is going to be what is called an apostolic exhortation. Really, an apostolic exhortation. Now, normally apostolic exhortations or prophetic exhortations would be to people concerning their sins against God. So it appears that what the Pope is doing is twisting the environment, the worship of the environment, the service to the environment as a substitute for the service to God and the worship of God. So Mother Earth now is replacing Father God in the mind, in the heart, and the imagination of the world and its peoples, led by none other than one who calls himself the Vicar of Christ. It's fascinating. Now, before we go further and go down to Florida, where you may recall uh, just recently Hurricane Idalia has uh, swept through, uh, we're going to talk uh, about uh, the address that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis made concerning this matter of climate change in response, actually, to what the putative president of the United States, Joe Biden, had to say when he went down there to pretend that he cared for the people. I say he pretended that he cared for the people because all he wanted to do was not show his care and concern for the people, but to use it as a platform to drive the message of fear in climate change again. So Ron DeSantis DeSantis responded to that. We'll get to that in just a few moments. But I want to make available to you the book Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It is a $22 book. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. 
You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, that's not all. Because, as some of you now know, beginning September 1st through the end of this month and only the end of this month, we are making almost all of my books available to you for your gift of $10 or more to Save America Ministries. So, you might want to go to the website, check all those books out. People are ordering them now as they're discovering $10 $5 postage and handling for the first book, $2 postage and handling for each successive book. The more you get, the less expensive it is. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org. And many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Uh, today, the President of the United States, Joe Biden, was to have met uh, down there in Florida. Uh, making his uh, sacrificial tour uh, to uh, show his great love and concern for the people of Florida in response to the hurricane, Adalia. The problem is that Mr. DeSantis, the governor, had said we don't want to politicize this disaster That's not helpful to the people. It's not helpful to the nation. It's not helpful to the people of Florida. And so I refuse to politicize it. So he would not meet with the president because the president was intent on trying to use the platform of Adalia, the suffering of the people, to drive his climate change agenda. And DeSantis said, no, this is not right. And so here's what I want to share with you, the words of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in response. Now, remember, he said, I want you to think about this. In 1896, a storm in Florida reportedly had 125 mile per hour winds. And Florida's Labor Day hurricane in 1935 resulted in massive destruction and deaths. In fact, I think he said also that it resulted in 180-some mile-per-hour winds. What he was really saying is, look, this business about the climate, this business about hurricanes and terrifying winds and so on is nothing new. 
In fact, it's old. We're accustomed to experiencing these kinds of things here. This is not due to climate change that human beings are responsible for. Any more than those things were due to climate change that human beings were responsible for. So he said, I think the notion that somehow hurricanes are something new, that's just false. And we've got to stop politicizing the weather and stop politicizing natural disasters. He said, we know from history there have been many times when it's very busy in Florida, late 40s, early 1950s, you had a lot of hits of significant hurricanes. So I think sometimes people need to take a breath and get a little bit of perspective here. But the notion that somehow if we just adopt, you know, very left-wing policies at the federal level, that somehow we will not have hurricanes, that's a lie. And that is what people are trying to take, what happened with different types of storms, and use that as a pretext to advance their agenda on the backs of people that are suffering. And that's wrong. And we're not going to do that in the state of Florida, he said. So he declined to meet with President Biden during Biden's trip to Florida in the hurricane's aftermath. I don't blame him. He said... That is, DeSantis said, I think the state of Florida, we prepare for this stuff. We're prepared, he responded. And really what the federal government's role is just turning on programs Congress has enacted over many, many years. So it's basically serving as a checkbook to get people reimbursed for debris cleanup, to give people individual assistance. And so in that sense, I think that has been turned on. I anticipate that that will go smoothly, but most of the nuts and bolts is done by our local communities and by the state of Florida. And that's really how it should be. Disaster response is really bottom up. I agree. That's the heart of the matter. So what do you make then of what has been called government-funded climate alarmism. In fact, John Stossel wrote a piece that came out uh, just a few days ago called The Government-Funded Climate Alarmism Complex. So I want to share some uh, excerpts from this that I think will be somewhat instructive as to helping us to understand how even scientists are abusing In fact, not just abusing, they're actually using the American public to raise their own stature, their own power, perks, and position by deceiving the people playing to the agenda of climate control and a new world order. So here it is. We are told climate change is a crisis and that there is an overwhelming scientific consensus. By the way, just recently, I would indicate that an article came across my desk that there's at least 1,600 scientists who say there is no climate crisis. 1,600. So when they say that there is a overwhelming scientific consensus, it just isn't true. So, Judith Curry, who is a climate scientist, says it's a manufactured consensus. In other words, it's just made up. 
It's not real. She says scientists have an incentive to exaggerate risk to pursue fame and fortune. Now, remember, this is coming from a climate scientist, Judith Curry. Again, she says scientists have an incentive to exaggerate risk to pursue fame and fortune. That's another way of saying power, perks, and position, friends. She knows about that because she once spread alarm about climate change. And the media loved her when she published a study that seemed to show a dramatic increase in hurricane intensity. She said, we found that the percent of Category 4 and 5 hurricanes had doubled. That was picked up by the media and by climate alarmists. Say, okay, here's the way we can do it. Tie extreme weather events to global warming. So, in response to that, she said, I was adopted by the environmental advocacy groups and the alarmists, and I was treated like a rock star. She said, I was flown all over the place to meet with politicians, and then some researchers pointed out gaps in her research. The years with low levels of hurricanes. So, she says, like a good scientist, I investigated And then she realized that the critics were right. Part of her data was bad data. Part of it was just natural climate variability. So Curry was the unusual researcher who looked at criticism of her work and actually concluded that they had a point. Then the Climategate scandal taught her that other climate researchers weren't so open-minded. Alarmist scientists. Aggressive attempts to hide data suggested climate change is not a crisis were revealed in leaked emails. Ugly thing, said Curry. Avoiding Freedom of Information Act requests tried to get journal editors fired. It made Curry, the scientist, realize that there is a climate change industry set to reward alarmism. And the the oranges, as you said, go back to the U.N. environmental program. Some U.N. officials were motivated by anti-capitalism. They hated the oil companies and seized on the climate change issues to move their policies along. So the U.N. created the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The IPCC, International or Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, wasn't supposed to focus on any benefits of warming. It was a mandate to look for dangerous human-caused climate change. But then the national funding agencies directed all the funding, assuming there are dangerous impacts. So the researchers quickly figured out that the way to get money to get funded was to make alarmist claims about man-made climate change. So it became a manufactured consensus. Even if a skeptic did get funding, it was hard to publish because journal editors are alarmists. The editor of the journal Science wrote this political rant, she said. She even said, the time for debate has ended. In other words, don't even try to talk about this issue. Said, 
the editor of the journal Science. What kind of message does that give? Asks uh, the scientist Curry. Then she answers her own question. Promote the alarming papers. Don't even send the other ones out for review. And if you want to advance in your career, like be at prestigious university and get a big salary, you have to give laboratory space and get lots of grant funding and be director of an institute. That was clearly one path to go. And that's what we've got now, she said. A massive government-funded climate alarmism complex. Wow. That's coming from someone who changed their tune, once believed in global warming, and discovered that her own research was faulty. Then, of course, we have the calls from all over all these massive fires, whether it's in California, whether it was in Canada, and uh, then in uh, Louisiana, massive fires, unprecedented fires. So, Prime Minister in Canada there, Trudeau, said it's climate change, it's climate change, it's global warming, it's climate change. Joe Biden jumped on the same bandwagon. Everybody was jumping on the same bandwagon. And then, even after it was discovered that in Canada there was a whole series of arsonists that had started these fires, and in California, the government, through its policies, refused to clean up its forests, And the undergrowth, in other words, they were not properly maintaining the forest so that they actually created the environment for the fires. And then in Louisiana, unprecedented wildfire crisis, also talking about global warming, global warming, only to find out it was arson that started the state's largest ever blaze not climate change. But even then, they still had to claim claim climate change. We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Today we're looking at the utter foolishness of the climate alarmism agenda and uh, its motivation. There is a motivation behind it, and that motivation has been revealed several times here on this program today. 
You're familiar, I'm sure, with Mr. Biden's effort uh, through his administration to eradicate all gas stoves. Mm -hmm. In fact, what he was attempting to do was get rid of anything operated by gas, including your automobile. But it went beyond automobiles. It went to getting rid of your gas stove, getting rid of other uh, appliances and so on that were operated by gas. Everything had to become electric. Well, the latest is ceiling fans. Did you know that? Ceiling fans are now the latest target in the Biden administration's green agenda. So the Department of Energy is proposing a rule that would require ceiling fans to be more energy efficient arguing that the move would save U.S. households on energy costs. Well, maybe it would. And there's nothing wrong with becoming more energy efficient. That's a good thing. But the cost to attain that is so monumental. They say the new rules would save households about $39 over the lifespan of the new energy-efficient fan, $39 over its entire lifespan. The lifespan, uh, we have a a couple of ceiling fans in our home, and they've been there for over 20 years. So saving $39 over 20 years, that would be, what, approximately $2 a year. Now, that's not what you'd call a great saving, is it? It is a saving, but it's not a great saving. Is it worth the increase to equipment to generate those more efficient uh, fans of approximately $86 million per year. Think about it. You see, these so-called energy worshipers, the environmental worshipers, are not interested in those things. They're not interested in the cost They were interested in the cost when they began to build these uh, uh, windmills all over the country and out into the oceans and defacing the landscape, defacing the environment, killing off uh, millions of birds and so on. They, They weren't interested in the cost. They never, ever, ever could ever produce enough savings to make them pay for themselves. But they did it anyway. They had to jump on the bandwagon. They had to have something visible to drive the fear quotient of the agenda so that people would come to the conclusion, wow, look at this. Yeah, we really do have a crisis like this. Gas stoves, ovens, washing machines, refrigerators, air conditioners, dishwashers, anything that uh, might have been run by gas or that might have an energy quotient that's uh, not up to what the Biden administration wants, everything has to change. No wonder they're talking about the untold trillions of dollars necessary to achieve this so-called environmental salvation. The purpose, though, is to reduce 
the ability of nations that have funds, that have more money, to reduce their ability to remain independent of a one-world government so that they will be brought to their knees to worship now, not the environment, but to worship the godless progressivism of a global government. That's where it's all going. So one calls this the ultimate sinister goal of the climate con. The sinister goal. Now, it would seem to me that what we've been talking here about is sinister. In other words, there are hidden agendas. Things that they don't want you to realize are subversive and diabolical and involve decades of hidden agendas that are now coming into fruition. Even the so-called EV vehicles are now creating havoc. Ford actually, I, I believe, ended up with something like a $5 billion loss because of its EV vehicles. $5 billion. It's not proving to be a real answer in any situation. Climate change is ultimately not about fossil fuels and EV sales. Instead, it's a means to an end, a diabolical and sinister objective of control for the benefit of depopulation and global government. You have to look at it, you have to realize it's it's malicious. Malicious. Diabolical. Now, as we're getting ready to wrap up, there's no question about it that there are heat waves that go across the world. A report back in mid-July talked about record heat waves sweeping the U.S. to Japan via Europe. And that was true. As we speak right now, there are heat waves that we're experiencing where this broadcast emanates in Virginia. In the upper 90s, very hot. Maybe even record temperatures. But there's always different places where record temperatures are set. This is no proof that man is creating an environmental hazard. No proof at all. Our response to these things are proving the supreme arrogance of humankind now that has progressively abandoned, in fact, kicked God in the teeth. Father God is out. We don't want any of that uh, paternalism. We don't want any of that uh, male 
influence here. No, we want to worship Mother Earth. She's soft. She's gentle. She cuddles us. She makes us feel good. No, even though Father God, through his Son, Christ Jesus, created the heavens and the earth, we don't have any more place for him because now we are technologically elevated. We are so smart that we are actually becoming God. That's what the scientists believe. And that's where they're heading. Every single realm of science is moving in that direction. And if you'd like to know a little bit more about that, you would get a copy of my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Not only for the chapter of the environmental deification, but also for the chapter of the scientific salvation. And also the chapter on the evolutionary Christ. Friends, what people do not realize when Jesus said that just before his second coming, there would be massive deception upon the earth. He meant it. And it comes dressed differently. And that's why people don't understand it. They think, well, it's just theological uh, differences and so on, and that's what Jesus was talking No, that's not just what Jesus... He was talking about massive deception. It comes in many forms. And if we're not able to discern it, you will be caught up in the culture of, whether it's environmental alarmism or uh, uh, globalism or any other kind of ism, and there are hundreds of isms out there, you'll be caught up in it. And when you're caught up in it, it's very hard to extricate yourself. And you're caught. It's like being caught in a trap. Now what do I do? And you've led your children that direction. You've led your grandchildren that direction. Pastors, you've led your people that direction. Now what are you going to do? Today, we need to come to grips with the deception, the massive deception that is coming under many different uh, manifestations, clothes, whatever term you want to use to describe it. In baseball, a pitcher can use a, a fastball. That comes straight at you. Or he can use a curveball. Or he can use a knuckleball. In other words, these different ways of projecting that come at the batter in a different way, the batter has to learn to discern and confront those different ways. The same is true with deception. It comes sometimes more plainly as a fastball. Sometimes it comes as a curveball. Seems to come out of left field. Other times it comes as a knuckleball just kind of shaking and doesn't have any spin to it. And we have to learn to discern the times. My book, Messiah, will help you do that. Unveiling the mystery of the ages. $22 on our website, saveus.org. 
Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And don't forget, all of my other books, right there on the website, available to you for $10 each. We have never done anything like this before in 28 and a half years. Why are we doing this? Because we want to get the message out broadly. We're not here to make money. We're here to get the message out. And we want you You see, you have the opportunity to multiply the message by getting multiple copies and giving them out to various people, your relatives, your friends, your kids, uh, your spouse, your pastor, your parachurch leaders, your, your youth pastor, your neighbors, the people at your workplace, wherever. You have the opportunity. This is a way that you can partner with us in a very important way. You, my friend, are an ambassador. You are ordained as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Let's do the work of an ambassador. Go to the website, saveus.org. Make your order that way. Remember, the first book is $5 postage and handling. Every book after that is only $2 postage and handling. So the more books you get, the less the expense. You want to get the message out. You can give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA. You can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Go ahead, seize the opportunity. It's available only during the month of September. After September, no more. Seize the opportunity, friends. God bless, be a blessing, and uh, become a partner in every way that God, by His Spirit, will lead you to do so. God bless, and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.